Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Busca, la quiere filtrar. El pase por el medio, bueno para Palermo. Ojo, que picó bien. Neita, aburría la pelota para Neita. Welcome in to episode 5 of the Heart of the Game. I'm your host, Nate Abaurea. You can get at me on Twitter, at Nate Abaurea, and be sure to follow at World Soccer Talk. Our guest in this edition of the show, a very dear friend of mine, Nico Cantor. And we talked a lot about a love affair of Nico's with a certain Boquita, that club from Buenos Aires known as Boca Juniors. A club that was handed down to Nico by his father, the great Andres Cantor. And we talked about the blessings and even the difficulties of the Cantor commentary legacy. And we broke down some linguistic nuance of the Argentino accent and a whole lot more. But of course, we started with Boca. I want to go to the Nico Contor ties to La Bombonera. I want to get to the roots of, of, of these passions and, and this love affair for Boquita. Where does the love for Boca Juniors truly come from, Nico Contor? So it's basically my dad. My dad is the one that, that drenched me in this passion for, for Boca ever since I was little. He would wrap me when I was like an infant, literally like weeks, maybe days. I don't know. In in a in a boca shirt. There's a picture. I put it up on on my Instagram actually, like a couple months ago, of me in as a as an infant, as as days of life, uh, wrapped in a boca shirt. And I think it's only natural that I became such a big boca fan. But I think all of it became magnified with those Libertadores wins at the turn of the century uh, against Cruz Azul, that, that win against Palmeiras. Uh, those wins are, are so big because I was six or seven years old in 2000 against Palmeiras. I was six. 
or not even maybe. I was born in 93. Yeah, I hadn't turned seven years old yet. I was six years old. And those moments where Boca, I think, became one of the best teams in the world, where we beat Real Madrid, where we beat AC Milan, uh, I think that just magnified my passion and convinced me that I was aboard the right train. And there was no looking back. Uh, and it, it, it has identified my passion. It has driven me to pursue uh, the career that I'm in. Uh, and, and luckily enough, or maybe unluckily enough, I don't know, you can see both sides of the coin here. I haven't called the Boca game ever in my professional, in my short professional career as a broadcaster. And I don't know how that would be. I, I hope it will go, will go well. Um, but it's completely different. I've had to work Argentina games in big tournaments, and I can really put on my journalist uh, outfit and be objective uh, about Argentina, but there's something about Boca that, that is, is, provokes this, this unequal passion uh, to anything else. It's, it's this unbridled uh, intensity that I, you can't you literally can't describe it. People say it's like it's like that, that, that passion you have for a son, but I don't I, I don't have children. I'm not <laughs> married, so I can't compare that to anything, but it's 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 literally it, it there, there's a fire in me that is the root of all my passion for soccer. And, and it's it, it all begins. The origin is the blue and gold. Boca, mi buen amigo. You talk about your father, Nico, and, and so many people who listen to this show will be familiar with, with the work of, of the great Andres Cantor. And I'm sure you'll, you'll be the first to say one of his greatest accomplishments is handing Boca Juniors down to his son. That's one of the things that, that you are surely... <laughs> Uh, most grateful for when it comes to uh, the life and times of uh, Andres Cantor. But I, I have to ask you about growing up with him as a broadcaster and, and growing up knowing who your father was and understanding what he represented to a lot of people and what he meant to a lot of people, including yours truly. I've, I've told you this story Many a times in, in the mid to, to late 90s, your father's voice was was part of what helped me learn and, and love football and develop a little bit of Spanish language skill as a little white kid in Watsonville, California, and how necessary that was in my life and how much that's paid off. It was it was the goal calls, the writings, and the commentaries of Andres Cantor that, that were as influential as as anything when it came to to my romanticism for football my my love of of the spanish language my love of so many different nuances and and niche things within the beautiful game and so i want to ask you as the man's son when did it hit you of of who he was and and what he meant to whether it was kids like me or 80 year olds in other countries or middle-aged folks in in america or mexico or around latin america when did it hit you as, as a young kid of, of who your dad really was? So those stories, Nate, that, that you say from, from your own perspective, that's incredible to hear. Um, and I don't think growing up, I really knew 
my dad's stature in 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 the sports broadcasting realm because I wasn't in it because you almost take those things for granted when you're little and maybe taking it for granted is the wrong expression but it's like it's like blissful ignorance you don't know I, I when I was little when I re I remember when I was really little and my dad would work for he would leave in the morning and he would come back so late it, it, I mean I realize now how much of an effort my dad put into his career to, to to be where he is now as I'm starting off my career as I'm working late nights and I leave and, and I, you know my girlfriend has to understand that I need to work an entire weekend and not see her while she's off and 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 she might not see me uh, and I'm starting or at least my parents are starting to see parallels in 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 my life as they had in theirs with my relationship with my girlfriend now and, and stuff like that as my dad, when he literally worked his ass off for his, I can say that, right? I hope I can say that. I said it Absolutely. anyway. Because Absolutely. He, <laughs> because he did. He did. And, and when, you're, when you're a kid, you, don't, you have no clue. You have no clue what money's worth. You have no clue uh, what working is like. And my dad was just the guy that would say gold to me. And he was on TV. <laughs> and, and I knew my dad was famous. But maybe I didn't know how famous he was, and it it you just you take it for granted. It's like it's like a, a natural part of life. And my friends knew who my dad was, and my family friends and my cousins. It was like my dad was the goal guy, and maybe it wasn't until the summers that that I I really wanted to pursue this type of career that I would tag along with him to Copa Oro's. Uh, I would I would go and help him out. Literally every summer, my responsibilities would get more important until I became a broadcaster. I would help. I was literally the football de primera, which is my dad's radio company. I was the intern, so I would help out with with getting people coffee, with writing down stats, uh, just getting a feel to what broadcasting a tournament is. Um, and then when we would be like outside of the stadium for Mexico games and, and the waves of people that wanted to take pictures with my dad, I, I think that's when I started realizing what, how big he, he really was. And when social media started becoming a thing and, and the interactions that my dad would have on social media, be them, be them good interactions and be them bad interactions, uh, I think that's when you really started to get a sense of, of how big he is and and now that I'm working and, and, and people that, that come up to me and, and, and talk to me and, 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 and just say so many extraordinary things about my dad and about his career and about how, how much of a good person he is, I'm starting to get a nice rounded view of, of how much effort my dad has put into it. But not only that, how great of a person my dad has been throughout all of this kind uh very uh collaborative as well as, as just a very open person and, and and generous uh like he is as a father but now i'm seeing it from a professional uh point of view where he he has been able to maintain that professionalism while staying true to himself and I think that's the greatest thing that my dad has been able to do throughout, I don't know how many decades of, 
of of broadcasting and and it's quite so incredible and i and i couldn't ask for a greater mentor than than my dad because it's it's he who i learned the most from and it's every he literally reads every single one of my tweets and and we get to the dinner table and he has a list of every tweet that I wrote wrong or how I could say it better or everything. It's like, it, it's, it's incredible. Like just how much effort he put into his career. Now he's putting into mine to help me out. Just for the sake of duality. I, I, I have to ask you something as a journalist, as a broadcaster, do you ever find uh, yourself under a little bit of added pressure due to the fact that your last name is Gantor, due to the fact that most people associate with you, rightly so, he's your father, for God's sake, with the man yeah. who is your father, with, with Andres. And, and when they hear or read the name Nico Gantor, they know that, that you're Andres Gantor's son. Does that ever maybe put you under a little bit of added pressure? How do you, how do you manage with that aspect as a journalist, as a professional of, of the name that you carry and, and the weight that it holds? I think I came to terms with that, Nate, a long time ago. When I was like in high school, I know that I'm going to be Andres Cantor's son forever. I just, I just got to blaze my own path. Uh, because I think my dad was put into a situation uh, or at least he came into a situation that was that was uh, that that didn't have any parallel anywhere. It was a, a, such a unique situation where he came into the American landscape of soccer broadcasting, and no one was there. And he really pioneered, um, along with other names, this this effort. And I can think of Norberto Longo, and that's a, another huge name that I that I have to add. Norberto, uh, who is my dad's late commentator passed away around 2003, I believe. Um, and he and my dad were the one-two team. Uh, and to this day, people write to my dad uh, about Norberto, and it's incredible. And that's also, to go back to answer and to maybe deepen uh, your the answer to one of the questions you asked, I think that's when you realize how much my dad has touched people around the country. When people talk to him about Norberto, his daughter got married in January, like a couple months ago. And the amount of, of response he got on social media, because he walked her down the aisle. She doesn't have a dad. I mean, and the, the greatest father figure, her boyfriend, like asked for my dad's blessing to marry Norberto's daughter. And, and, and that, that literally just came so full circle. Um, and, and that is how you really get a sense of the impact. So I think I've come to terms that that Nico Gandor is going to be Andres Gandor's son. Um, and when people might see me on the TV 20 years ago, people are going to say, hey, you know who that is? Like, it's okay. It's, it's <laughs> like I, went, I literally went to the tailor the other day to pick up some clothes and and the, the owner of the shop, she was like telling her daughter, oh, you know who who's his dad? Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's normal. I don't take it as an offense. In fact, I take it as, as something as a something that that's part of me. And I'm gonna blaze my own path, and I want to blaze my own path. And I and I'm trying to do it in, in two different languages. Something that's different to to my dad. Uh, broadcasting in English, broadcasting in Spanish, and and I, I and just do different things. I mean, my bread and butter, of course, is play by play. I love it. Uh, and there's, I, I want to do play-by-play -play until I die, 
but I'm okay if I'm going to be Andres Cantor's son. It's, it's, it's totally cool with me because being Andres Cantor's son is the best thing to ever have. Well, you're certainly carrying on the Cantor legacy while also uh, blazing your own trail, Nico, and, and making your own name. And, and I'm glad that you brought up the, the bilingual approach to, to what you're doing. And that's how you and I, those those few years back now, it feels like ages. It was like, what, three, four years ago that we started connecting on social media, you and I. And, and it was all based around bilingualism. It was based around going, hey, I like what you're doing. Hey, I like what you're doing. English, Spanish, let's bring it all together. Cross-border mentality for yours truly here in in San Diego and Tijuana, and obviously for all the uh, the bilingualism that is is represented in Miami and and around the areas uh, where where you grew up. And I want to actually bouncing off of that language uh, discussion. I actually want to go back to something relating to my upbringing, listening to your father, because a lot of times listening to Andres Cantor, it was in relation to. Mexico matches or USA matches on Telemundo uh, in, in the mid to late 90s, and then obviously into the, the 98 World Cup and wasn't quite old enough for 94, but 98 was was the one where it was, for me, as much the Andres Cantor World Cup as it was the Zinedine Zidane France World Cup. I mean, that's that's the type of influence that we're talking about. And I'll never forget learning a little bit more uh, that year, reading the the famous goal book that that your father wrote and learning a little bit about his background in Argentina and then hearing him speak the Spanish language and me going, wait, his voice sounds a little bit different than all the Mexicanos that I grow up with here in Watsonville. What is this accent? And then really becoming enamored and just borderline obsessed with the Argentine accent for pretty much the rest of my life to this very moment and forevermore. So Nico Contor, I throw it back to you, whether it's you and I've, I've, we've, we've talked a little bit uh, about this off the air, uh, whether it's you, whether it's your father, whether it is the great, and I mean, great Mariano Kloss, one of the other important voices uh, in, in my soccer upbringing. What is it about the Argentine accent that just marries so perfectly with the beautiful game, with the game of soccer? Why Why is it that the Argentino accent works so perfectly for football? And how would you summarize, how would you explain the Argentine accent to someone, Nico? Wow, what a fantastic question. Um, and to just add a small detail to your whole explanation, uh, my dad, because he's Argentine, I think had to really soften his accent as he was broadcasting to a wide range of Hispanic nationalities in the United States because you just don't have Mexicans and Argentines in the United States. You've got Mexicans, you've got Colombians, you've got El Salvadorians, you've got Hondurans, you've got Panamanians, uh, Venezuelans, Chileans, everything. You have literally every single country in Latin America is, is in the United States listening to a World Cup broadcast. And if you're too Argentine, it might be off-putting because he, my dad's not broadcasting for Argentina. So as, as Argentine as he might sound, his, his broadcasting, I don't want to say broadcasting voice because he doesn't put on a voice, but it's, it's very softened. Uh, whereas I haven't been able to soften my Argentine accent. I, am, I speak more Argentinian than my dad. Uh, and especially when it comes to radio, radio, I let loose. Uh, 
and and it's almost as if I'm broadcasting for an Argentine accent in Spanish, um, for an Argentine audience in Spanish. Uh, and 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 it's I don't know what it is about the Argentine, and and, and maybe it can come from a biased perspective because I am I come from an Argentine family. I was born here in the United States, but my upbringing was very culturally Argentinian. Um, I think it's because it goes so back. It's the the root of Argentine broadcasting and soccer is, is goes so it just goes hand in hand, and 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 at its essence, in that uh, Rio Platense uh, zone between Uruguay and Argentina, it's it's become this it's so synonymous with the great goals and the great calls of all time. I mean, you can look back to the 86 World Cup and, 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 and hear those, those, those calls of, 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 of Maradona uh, and, and hear Victor Hugo, who's actually um, Uruguayan, mm-hmm. calling the greatest uh, goal of, of all, I mean, the two greatest goals of all time, but the, the Barrilete Cosmico, <laughs> De qué planeta viniste para dejar el camino a tanto inglés y que todo el país sea un puño apretado gritando por Argentina. Gracias Dios por estas lágrimas, por esta Argentina 2, Inglaterra 0. And he's Uruguayan, you know? So it just, I think, I think it just becomes, it, 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 it's, it's the essence. It's because I don't think there is another culture uh, where soccer is is such such an important aspect of society of literally of society of relationships of 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 literally your work you work to go watch soccer you i mean it's 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 i haven't seen it as devoted in any other latin american culture and people might think oh what an argentine you know pounding his own chest because he, but to me it's the truth i mean and and that's not to say that the other countries are not as dedicated as dedicated and passionate because they are. I mean, Colombians are are crazy passionate about their soccer and Chileans as well. But but there, I I think the Argentine culture is just has been so devoted for such a long time, and that has its pros and its cons, man. I mean, people die from going to soccer games, and there's violence and there's stuff like that, and that goes hand in hand with with the extreme over the line uh, devotion but it, it and and this is a whole social political economic uh, commentary that that we don't have time here Nate and I would I, I literally wrote my thesis about this and <laughs> it, it, it just it, it, it's it's it, it's unparalleled and, and that's why I think the Argentine commentary the accent and I don't even know how to describe it it's so it's it's like it's like an Italian and Spanish and in, in its most uh, simple form. I think that's mm-hmm. the most simple explanation you can give because Argentines uh, think they're the Italians of South America. They're the <laughs> Europeans of South America. They 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 have that stereotype for for its good and and, and bad uh, sides. But uh, that that's what it is. Argentines are so so passionate about soccer that uh, that's why I think there have been such historic broadcasters that have been able to put their voice and their voice has been synonymous with so many 
triumphs for so many teams and so many players that that it's just become it, it, it it's it's become unique. It's become an emblem of of, of Spanish language sports broadcasting. There were so many things that you said there that I absolutely love, and one of the main ones at the top of the list is is the shout out to the great uh, Victor Hugo Morales and and that call of of the Barilete Cosmico in the '86 World Cup, and I love that you spotlight the fact that Victor Hugo, the voice of the greatest moments in in Argentine football history, the voice of Radio Argentina for so many World Cups. He was the man. He was the voice for so many people. And he was actually Uruguayan. And and he yeah. became the voice of, of Argentina. And that border, that cross is, is such an interesting one when it comes to two countries who wear similar colors uh, on the field. They both despise Brazil. They both share rivalries with, with Brazil and, and the region there. Of course, they also hate each other when it's time to go head-to-head. However, the Argentina-Uruguay relationship is such an interesting one, and I have to tell you a very, very funny story from the 2018 World Cup. I was up in L.A. Uh, with with my girlfriend's family, and we were driving around to some family gatherings on, on a Sunday, and it was the, what was the match? It was Croatia and Denmark, that brilliant, brilliant uh, Croatia-Denmark round of 16 game that you were uh, on radio for, on yeah. Football de Primera. So we're... We're running around. I'm, I'm trying to get it on at the restaurant that we go to with her, her family up in L.A. We're meeting up with the other East L.A. family over at another spot. So we end up taking in this game at like seven different spots. And it went to went to extra time, went to penalties. I got it on the radio for one part. I'm in a different car now. I got it on a TV here, TV there. And we're keeping track of, of this brilliant uh, Croatia-Denmark match. And I'll never forget in the back seat was a family friend of uh, of. Sophia's and she is an older uh, Dominican woman, uh, Dominicana, who actually studied linguistics uh, way back when. And bouncing off of the Derek Ray uh, interview right here on the Heart of the Game, when we spent quite a lot of time uh, breaking down linguistics and and what they mean and and how they relate to cultural romanticism and and our love of football. And I'll never forget Minerva sitting in the back seat and and I'm cranking football de primera I got the Nico Contour play-by-play going I'm like you know I'm showing off a little bit yeah I know this guy yeah good good friend of mine here yeah and uh, and the game's playing on and finally Minerva chimes in and she goes it is Uruguayo and I said what she goes is he is he Uruguayan and I went no he's he's Argentine she goes oh I was I was close and so she heard your call and went oh Uruguayo and the notion that the commonality between Victor Hugo Morales, it comes back there. And, and I've talked about this with so many people of the, the almost indecipherable differences between Argentina and Uruguay. And is there really that much of a difference when you consider the, the, the vocal inflections? I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts because I know this is some duality here, the, the rivalry between Argentina and Uruguay. But do commonality and, and friendship perhaps outweigh the animosity in relation to this one? So that's such a great description. It's a great lead into what I'm about to say. To get things started, I love the Uruguayan culture. I think they do asados so right. Um, <laughs> that's, that's barbecues for, for everyone who's listening. I mean, Argentines do it their own way, but Uruguayans with almost the same type of meat, the same cuts of meat, 
they do it in a different way and they do it so right. And my dream is to have a Uruguayan uh, barbecue where I can where I can cook with literally the 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 cow just 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 put the <laughs> knife knife into the ground. Um, anyway, they do they do mate better, which is our our yerba mate. So it's it's the Argentine, uh, Paraguayan, Uruguayan, Southern Brazilian tea that uh, it was indigenous at some point, and now it just becomes so commonplace. Um, that it's like this national tea, and they do it the right way, I think. They're, they do it the better way, let's say that. Not right way, because some Argentines might say that I'm, that I'm, that it's treasonous that, that I'm saying this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the Uruguayan accent, I cannot decipher it from an Argentine accent. I'm, I'm pretty good, I could say, at imitating a bunch of Latin American accents, and I'm and I feel very confident in a lot of them and listening to people, even from cities where they're from, uh, within their countries. But if you put an Argentine in a, and uh, if you put a Buenos Aires Argentine next to a Uruguayan, uh, it's, I, I, I couldn't tell you the difference. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I, and I have a lot of Uruguayan friends and maybe I'm, I'm realizing it. It might be a little bit slower. Uh, let me give you like a good, if you want to, if you want to uh, realize how different it is, you know, now that, now that weed is legal in, in, in Uruguay, it's like, imagine if an Argentine smoked a, 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 a joint of weed and he spoke slowly through that, you know, I mean, that's my only analogy that Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But that's th those are the little things that I put into my head to kind of like decipher what is what. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's the trickiest one to 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 decipher. Oh, sorry, sorry, Nico. I was I was slowing down there uh, for a second. Let me get back to the interview uh, here real quick. Um, the, uh, one last little bit of of the the linguistic discussion that that I want to break down with you. And this is again shout out to to Derek Ray for inspiring this. Talking about uh, Scottish people learning German and talking about his uh, infatuation with uh, German language and even just German sound making uh, back in in that episode of the Heart of the Game. Check out the Derek Ray uh, episode of the show when you're done listening to this very Nico Cantor edition. The double L. The double L in Argentina. And and with the, the Argentine accent or perhaps also with uh, the, the Uruguayan accent. I will never forget. Uh, you know how much proper pronunciation means to me as someone who has had my own last name butchered for the majority of, of my life and, and how much how much the name Abaurea means to me and thus how much everyone's name means to me and, and to offer proper pronunciation. And there was a player who was actually playing, funny enough, for Pachuca under one Martin Palermo uh, this last year. And I am calling the Cholos Pachuca. It was a Copa MX match. And I'll never forget me and my wonderful, wonderful co-commentator, uh, Tony Alvarez, getting in in a four or five minute spat uh, on the commentary gantry about a half hour uh, from kickoff as we were going over every last little note uh, for the game. And I talked about this guy who was a Premier League champion, the the only uh, Premier League champion, the guy to come back and actually play in League MX as a Premier League champion. Chicharito uh, did it the other way around. 
and and there's a few other people who who have done it kind of other ways around. But Leonardo Ujoa was the first person to actually be a Premier League winner. He won the Premier League with Leicester City and to then be a Liga MX player uh, just three years later. And so there we were, Leonardo Ujoa. Leo Ujoa is is starting up top. And I kept saying it just like that. I would say Leonardo Ujoa. And and Tony looks at me, he goes, Ujoa. It's it's a double L in Spanish. It's Ujoa. And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's Ujoa. And we went back and forth for four or five minutes, it was freaking comical of, of the, the Mexicano saying Ulloa and me just absolutely positive that I, I, I was doing the right thing by, by adding that little to, to the double L there and, and referring to him as Leonardo Ulloa. Nico, tell me I was right and tell me why I was right, please. <laughs> so you were right. And let me add another anecdote uh, that, that my dad told me about Arlo White when Leo Ujoa was playing in the Premier League. He came over to my dad and asked, my dad, how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it as an Argentine? My dad said, Leo Ujoa. And if you go back and listen to an Arlo White broadcast of Leicester City, he says, Leo Ujoa, in his, in his British way <laughs> of trying to pronounce an Argentine name. And, and that is totally the right thing to do. Um, and I try to do that as much as I can um, with with my broadcasts. And it is Ujua, that double L of it's in Argentine, and you ask him what's his name, he's gonna say uh, he's gonna say Ujua. Just it happened to me when I broadcasted Atlanta United for so long. Hector El Tito Villalba, he he's para, he plays with Paraguay national team, but he's an Argentine. Uh, he's he's Argentine born, and he pronounces his name Villalba. And I broadcasted, I broadcasted every single goal that he scored, Tito Vichalba. And I would say it like that. And I try to do the same thing with Brazilian names, even though people might not know, might think it's, it's wrong what I'm saying. Like, if it's Thiago Silva, the, the, the center back for PSG, the Brazilian center back, I'll say Thiago Silva. Although it's very, it's so common in Latin American, in Latin American countries, because it's like you, you translate it into Spanish and it's, Thiago Silva, but his name is Thiago Silva. It happens to me a lot with the DC United center midfielder on a broadcast in English, and it, it sounds so weird when I'm talking about DC United has the ball at midfield, the ball goes back to Felipe. It's, you know, Felipe, F-E, Felipe Marchins is, is the official Brazilian pronunciation of this midfielder, and it sounds odd, but in reality, I like being true to each culture, and you're not going to get it right 100% of the time, and it's totally okay, and I understand when people don't get it right, because Uyoa is not technically wrong, but correct, the correct pronunciation is Leo Uyoa. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. One of my favorite uh, other anecdotes with the the Argentine, the Argentino accent and, and the double L was Gustavo Bo, the the former uh, Racing forward, now playing with the New England Revolution and and had those great uh, few seasons as a member of Cholos of, of Club Tijuana, a fan favorite uh, at Estadio Caliente. And I was meeting uh, Gustavo Bo's young daughter, Mar Martu, uh, the, the, the famous Martucha, uh, 
down down on the post-game pitch, and, and I'm down there with La Pantera, and Martu is showing off to me, knowing that I was the English-language broadcast voice uh, at that time for Club Tijuana. She was anxious to show off uh, her skills of bilingualism uh, to me. So she's four years old down there translating uh, the entire color wheel and counting to 20 in, in both languages and just doing all these extraordinary little translation exercises. And I'll never forget, we're going through the colors and, and Gustavo would say a color and she'd shout it out in English. She'd say, verde. And she'd go, green. And he'd say, azul. And then she'd go, blue. And then Gustavo went, amarillo. And I went, what color is amarillo? And then she looked back at me and went, yellow. And I went, oh, there's that accent popping up yet again. Yeah. I love this thing. There we go. Amarillo, amarillo. So it, it, it really does come down to uh, accent, culture, and and nuance of of language, and you're so proud of of your cultural heritage and and putting a bow on this whole thing. You talked about your mother as as a proud Honduran, your your father as an Argentine who's basically by this point become an adopted Mexican, an adopted Honduran, an adopted American. I mean, he's he is Latin America in in a body. Uh, your your father. What are you? Nico, when it comes to cultural identity, I mean, you're you're Argentino, you're you're an American boy, you're 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 a, an American college graduate. You you are as as American as as anyone could could ever come, and and you also carry this proud proud cultural heritage with you to Argentina. How how would you sum up uh, who you are at 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 this point in your life? So I had so much trouble with my cultural identity in college. You know, a typical college crisis. Uh, and I came to the conclusion that I'm American. I'm American. I, I wanted to be Argentine, and when I went to study abroad in Argentina and I told people I was American, they were like, uh, no, you're not. You sound just like an Argentine. And when I was in college and I would speak English and I would have this, this, this Latino accent or this weird accent when I would speak English, everybody would ask me, where are you from? I'm like, guys, I'm from here. I'm from the United States. It's like, no. So it's like I didn't belong anywhere. Like, I wasn't truly Argentine. I wasn't truly American. And at the end of the day, I realized that, that I'm, a, I'm a proud American. This is the greatest country in the world. I'm so blessed to have grown up here, uh, that I have the liberties that I have, that I can do the things that I want to do without anybody getting in my way, that I have the full right to pursue uh, whatever I want to pursue. If I want to stop being a broadcaster and, and be a banker tomorrow, I can do that. And, and, and there's nobody will get in my way. And, and it's full. Uh, you know, I have, I have that. The, the racetrack is open for me, for me to go. Uh, there's a green light. And that's what's so great about, about being an American. And I only know the words to the American national anthem. Uh, I put my hands proudly on my heart whenever there's an American national anthem at any MLS game that I go to. Uh, and I'm proud because I was schooled here. My friends are from here. Uh, but at the same time, I do not forget my heritage, my culture. Uh, I love cooking asados. I love cooking barbecues. I love cooking <laughs> barbecues and drinking mate and listening to cumbia while I do it. And you know what? And afterwards, I'll have... A, a spoonful of dulce de leche because I worked out in the morning and I want to have an Argentine dessert to, <laughs> to, to, to finish it all off because I deserve it. And it's 
and 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 that's what's so great as well about being in this country that you can have this huge mix of identities, this huge mix of culture, and and, and to to make a nod to to nod to my Honduran side. I love my baleadas. I love frijoles. I love platanos. I love Honduran food as well. I love the spicy and everything. You know, I'm I'm an Argentine. I, I, I manifest myself as an Argentine, but then someone sees me put Tabasco on my steak and they're like, whoa, what did you just do? So that's, you know, it's, it's, that's what's so great about being an American. You can pick and choose and, and, and pull from all these different cultures, but at the same time, uh, exercise your right to, to, to be an American with, with this huge mix of, of nationalities and of personalities and of, of, of culture that, that I don't think you get in any other place in the world. And no one can be you better than you. And to put a proper bow uh, on on this episode, really appreciate your time, Nico, and, and us getting this done here here on uh, The Heart of the Game. Look, I'll, I'll cut right to the chase. And, and I, I hope this really ties everything together. You knew I wasn't going to let you get out of here without a, a little bit of uh, classic... Nico Cantor, play-by-play. Uh, perhaps a little un, un homenaje a Mariano Clos, uh, Victor Hugo Morales, uh, Andres Cantor, and all the other voices uh, that we love so much. And I told you before we clicked record here uh, this morning from 3,000 miles away, Nico, I told you that I put on, in the spirit of this episode, in the spirit of doing an interview with Nico Cantor, I put on, shout out to my boy in Tijuana, Heriberto, who just went on the trip of a lifetime down to Buenos Aires and brought me back from the streets of Buenos Aires, a 1981 Diego Maradona Boca replica kit. And I put that kit on for this interview, Nico, to put this uh, in into the proper vibe, to, to give us the proper Boquita spirit uh, for, for this episode. So I have to ask you for a favor uh, to, to close this thing out. Can you do, um, I want to play for Boca, I want to be at the Bombonera, and I would like uh, any any of the uh, names that we mentioned before, Riquelme, Palermo, Maradona, Tevez, any of those guys, I would like them to be on the field with me, and I would like to score a goal uh, for Boca Juniors. Can can we do that? Señoras y señores, minuto 90, Boca contra River, 0 a 0, el partido está para cualquiera. Desde el arco, Nico, el arquero de Boca, saca lejos, la gana en la mitad de la cancha, batalla. Qué bien la peinó, la pelota por afuera es Román, que la pisa, aguanta, tres cuartos de cancha por el costado derecho, busca, la quiere filtrar, el pase por el medio, bueno para Palermo, ojo que picó bien, Neita, aburría la pelota para Neita. ¡Cala hizo Neita, aburría! Sobre la hora, qué golazo señores. Nico Contor, you're an absolute ledge. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. Another huge thanks to my good friend Nico Contor and another big thank you to Boca mi buen amigo cada vez te quiero más Boca 
mi buen amigo. Thanks to Nico Cantor. Thanks to Andres Cantor. Thanks to Mariano Clos. Thanks to Victor Hugo Morales. Thanks to Diego Armando Maradona. Thanks to Juan Román Riquelme. Thanks to Martín Palermo. Carlitos Tevez. Boquita, Boquita, Boquita. And love to fans of other Argentine teams too. Except for those roosters across the way. For the heart of the game and the good folks at World Soccer Talk, I'm Nina Barrea. Hasta la próxima. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.